The Jets will head to Kansas City Sunday to take on the defending Super Bowl champions. What can go wrong? We'll preview the matchup against old friend Le'Veon Bell and company. Cos will tell us a story from his days on the beat in Brian's book. And we'll play Would You Rather. One of the best broadcasters in the business will be calling the Jets game on Sunday. That would be Kevin Harlan. He'll join the pod. All that and a whole lot more next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back into Gangs All Here, everybody. Our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm your host, Jake Brown, alongside my co-host, Jets beat writer for The Post, Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter, at Jake Brown Radio and at Brian Cos. We bring you two episodes every week, all season long. Wins, no wins, ties. No matter what the Jets do, we are here, and we have your back. We got you covered. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. If you're an Apple Podcast user, go in there and please give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review. Boost us up the charts. We appreciate your support. One of the best broadcasters in the business, Kevin Harlan, will join us in the second half of the show as he is on the call Sunday for Jets Chiefs. And that game comes at you at 1 p.m. on CBS. And the Jets right now, cause are 19. It's around 19 and a half point underdogs. So they are expected to get crushed. Uh, we'll give our predictions in just a little bit. It was reported by someone to go unnamed that Quinn and Williams was on the trade block. You reported that Quinn and Williams was not in the trade block. Uh, what's going on with this situation? Adam Gase apparently is reassured that he will be a New York Jet. Where are the Jets right now, Quinn, Quinn and Williams? Yeah, Adam Gase was pretty emphatic, Jake, Wednesday, saying you know they expect Quinn and Williams to be a Jet come this time next week after the Tuesday trade deadline. You know, I think what it is, is teams see what the Jets situation is. I think teams are probably calling about Quinn Williams and asking about him, but it would take a like monster package for the Jets to move on from Quinn Williams. He's 22 years old. They have him under contract for the next two years, a third year with the team option, uh, his rookie deal. So it's a reasonable amount. And he's actually coming on, Jake. I think the last two weeks have been the best two games I've seen Quinn in play. Uh, he was pretty dominant against Miami and he had stretches against Buffalo too, where he played really well. He's just going to stop hitting the quarterback in the head. Uh, once he gets that down, he's going to be rolling. But to me, the, the idea that the Jets are having a fire sale or anything, like they don't have enough pieces to have a fire sale. So obviously Quinton's one of the most, uh, the best players on the team. So to, people are going to call about him. Uh, I just don't see the Jets moving him unless it was some crazy multiple first and second round draft picks. And I don't think anyone's doing that for Quinton right now. Yeah, we looked at Quinton. We talked about multiple times that he's one of the pieces we see here in 2022, 2023, potentially down the road. Another piece that we think could be here, who knows, is Trevor Lawrence next season. Uh, there was the story, you know, he basically said he kind of left it open that maybe there's a chance that he goes back to Clemson. He's not sure what he's doing. Do you look at that being a story or do you think he's just, you know, saying that? What, what's the situation with Trevor Lawrence? Both. I mean, it's a story. Obviously, I wouldn't deny it's a story. The one thing I would caution is we have short memories. 
this is a story every single season with somebody. Last year was Chase Young was thinking about going back to Ohio State. Uh, a few years ago, Sam Darnold was thinking about going back to USC. He's in the middle of a football season, Jay, chasing a national championship. He has, you know, on a, on a college team, he has like 100 teammates, however many it is. It's not a good look if at the end of October, he's like, yeah, I'm turning pro. You know, I, like he can't be thinking about that. He said it in the summer. He's obviously leaning that way. He'd be crazy not to be leaning that way because he's going to take a huge risk if he goes back to college of getting injured. I think it's a story. I just wouldn't make too much of it. I think he was just saying, you know, giving a good answer. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's because it's the Jets might be the first pick. He might not go there. He's going to a bad team, most likely, regardless, unless a good team trades up to one of those top picks. Right. Like, look, look at the last few quarterbacks I've gotten number one. Joe Burrow went to Cincinnati. And we went through this with Joe Burrow. It wasn't whether he was going to go back to school because he was a senior. But from January through April, and pretty much right up till the draft, it was, oh, does he want to play for the Bengals? Is he going to try not – is he going to pull an Eli Manning and not go to Cincinnati? Baker Mayfield went to Cleveland. They were a terrible team. Like, if you get the number one pick, you're a terrible team. And <laughs> that's basically what it is. We've seen it twice in 40 years. John Elway, Eli Manning were a guy used leverage. Elway had – baseball to fall back on he used the yankees really to uh, against the colts and you know eli you know kind of a different situation with archie manning as his father back then too jake there was a negotiation the money was different like you can negotiate your contract these guys don't negotiate their contracts anymore it's slotted you know i would be surprised if the jets do end up with the number one pick i would be surprised if trevor lawrence tries to maneuver his way out of here i don't know the guy at all but to me, it, it seems unlikely. Yeah, and the other teams behind them, you know, the Giants, I don't think they're giving up on Daniel Jones just yet. It's too early to say that. Then Jacksonville's maybe the other option, but Atlanta, do they trade Matt Ryan? Do they move on from him? Miami has two. Uh, Minnesota has Kirk right now. Do they think about their future quarterback? And then Cincy, like you said, Burrow, Dallas, we expect uh, will bring Dak back. So I don't know. The Jets seems like the best situation for him to be an immediate starter, potentially, if they move on. Jets will take on the Chiefs. They're, you know, everyone thinks they're getting blown out this week. Where are you on this team injury-wise? What do we expect to see from this team? Will they be fully stocked? I know Crowder didn't practice Wednesday. They hope that he's back this week, but where are they in the injury front going into this game? Yeah, they sounded help hopeful on Crowder, Jake. So I, I think that could be big. I do think the offensive line could be intact for the first time in a while, uh, which will help matters. Defensively, Bradley McDougal sounds like he has a pretty serious injury, so you might see more Ashton Davis this week at safety, but I'm not sure how much it matters, Jake, <laughs> unless, unless they're getting a lot of new players in this week. The Chiefs are so, so good. Uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of covering their playoff games for the last couple of years, and they're just, you know, they're a machine when they get going, and I, I just don't see how they – Jets can even keep this one close. And the last time they talked to Eric Bieniemy, you know, it was January 2019 before they ended up hiring Adam Gase. Now he's got a Super Bowl ring to show them this time. This is going to be interesting seeing Bieniemy, you know, maybe a future Jets head coach go up against them. This could be a, a bloodbath. Um, you know, they, they could drop 34 on the Jets Sunday. 34. They could drop like 48 on the Jets. Yeah, I too. mean, <laughs> come on. The Dolphins just scored 24 points on them. Yeah. The enemy is an interesting situation to me. When they interviewed him in January of 2019, he had just been the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, for a short time. Obviously, the Chiefs had a lot of success. That was Mahomes' first year as a starter. He wasn't the hot name. And the Jets interviewed him. And for, I've talked to some people. I actually talked to somebody yesterday who told me, you know, the big concern was he wanted to call plays with the Jets. And there was a question for them 
them of how much of the Chiefs offense is Andy Reid and how much is Eric Bieniemy. Like you, you know, they, they're kind of coy. Andy Reid says it's all of them together call plays, and Bieniemy is actually the voice in Mahomes' helmet. But it seems like it's still the Andy, Andy Reid's offense. So they had concerns then. Now, flash forward to now, he's the hot name. Like he's going to be, he's the number one coaching candidate. And if the Jets are interested, they're going to have competition. Like he's going to be the, he's going to have his choice of places to go. I think he's been mentioned with Houston already as a possibility there with Deshaun Watson. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, you know, I wonder if the enemy is going to be thinking about on, on Sunday about maybe you should have hired me and okay, let's dial up another pass for Patrick even though we're up by 35 points. Yeah, it's it's going to be like 50 to nothing, and he's going to be dialing a play action pa- Patrick Mahomes down the field to none other than Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Bell's usage. Obviously, he wasn't used a lot, 6 or 39 in his debut. I am I think they're going to use him a lot against the Jets. They're insane if they use him. They have Edwards Alaire. I mean, unless the game, like, when it gets out of hand, if you put him in garbage time, I mean, Edwards Alaire is awesome. I think why it could be out of hand in the first half, the though. Field? Well, because I think they want, you know, I think Bell's going to say, hey, put me in this game, and it's it's going to be, it could be a blowout by halftime where we might see Bell cause the whole second half. I'll be shocked if he runs for a lot of yards. I, I just, I we've talked about this ad nauseum with Le'Veon. I don't think it's there. He's obviously going to be better than he, than he was with the Jets with what's around him with the Chiefs, but, and he had the 16-yard run Sunday, which I haven't seen him run for 16 yards in a long time, but I don't know. I think, I think, you'll be disappointed if you expect Le'Veon to run all over them on Sunday. Well, I hope he doesn't, but I I expect him to get some receiving yards. All right, let's make our picks. I'm going 38-13, Kaz. I think the Chiefs blow them out. You know, I keep saying the Jets will score 17, and I thought that was a lock on Sunday. They had 10 of the half and then did nothing afterwards. I think they would find a way to scratch out 13, but I'll say, you know, I'll say the Chiefs cover again. I always say I hate these big spreads and putting any money on them. But I'll take 38-13 Chiefs, Kaz. I'll go 41-10. 10 points again. Jay Friday was this that would be three out of four weeks. They scored 10 points. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, I'm not scared by that point spread. I think the Chiefs will cover it easily. Yeah, and Dow Loggins will be calling plays again this week. Uh, we'll see if he has, you know, a nice first half and carries it over to the second half this time. Obviously, the Jets had four yards in the second half last week. All right, let's move on to everyone's favorite part of the show, Cos, where Brian Costello tells you a story from his days on the beat. You've covered, you know, so many different sports and events and more than just the Jets. So let's take you inside Brian's book this week. What do you got, Cos? Yeah, well, our guest Kevin Harlan kind of sparked a memory for me. He talked about the Super Bowl a few years ago, Super Bowl 51, I guess it was, Patriots-Falcons. And so to take you a little bit, Inside the job, Jake, how it works for people that don't know. So at the Super Bowl, we post usually has five, six guys covering the Super Bowl, but it's either me or Paul Schwartz, our Giants beat writer, writes the main game story, and we alternate years. Uh, So that year was my year to write the game story. And a question I always get is, who do you root for, right? You root for the Jets? I don't root for the Jets. I root for myself. That's who I root for. And I root for blowouts because the way this works is I have to write a story on the Super Bowl that I have to send the minute the game ends. When the game hits 0 I have to send it because it has to be posted on our website immediately. So it's a lot easier to write when it's a blowout. So I go to the Super Bowl. We're in Houston. It's 28 to 3 in the third quarter. And I'm like, I am golden because the last Super Bowl I'd written before that was the Patriots Seahawks 
Butler at the goal line. That was a nightmare to write. So I'm 28 to three. I start writing my pros. The Falcons win their first Super Bowl. Brady threw a pick six and blew another Super Bowl. It's good. So you're kind of, you have your head down writing. You're you're not even really watching the game fully because you're writing at this point. So, you know, with two minutes left in the third quarter, the Patriots score a touchdown and make it 28-9. I'm like, yeah. All right, I'll add a paragraph that they scored a touchdown. In. So I'm okay. Then they kick a field goal, 28 to 12 in the fourth quarter. I'm still okay. Then Danny Amendola scored a touchdown, Jake, to make it 28-20 with about six minutes left. And I started cursing. Now I'm writing an alternate story where the Patriots win, but I'm still like, you know, then, then they scored to tie the game with a minute left. So now it's a tie game and the freaking Super Bowl is going to overtime. And I have to have a story done when the game is over. So it's overtime. It's sudden death. So I have two stories going of the Falcons winning, the, the Patriots winning. I file the the Patriots win. I file the story. I don't even know what I've written at that point. Yeah, I didn't have to go back and rewrite it. And I didn't even make a big deal about the Falcons not running the ball. You know, that was the big story the next day because I didn't even realize it really happened because I'd been writing that whole time. So then you go downstairs, you get all the, the quotes and you go back upstairs and rewrite, but that kind of takes you into the life of a, a beat writer during a game. You're always, you're always rooting for a blowout Jake, because you want to have that story done and ready to go way before the end of the game. Yeah. The, the writers want the blowout and us fans, we want the close game. So we love that Super Bowl. You hated that Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. And when you watch, when you watch a game, when you're not covering it, like I watched game five of the world series, you know, and which was a great game, crazy game. And the first, I guarantee every writer out there who wasn't covering that game goes, oh man, those poor writers that have to write that game because that was a brutal one to write. It's just, it's very difficult when it's a closed game. Imagine last night, the writers who were, who were writing and then they learn minutes after the game, the casual news drop by Kevin Burkhart that Justin Turner has tested positive for COVID during the game. Could you imagine being the writer in that situation and that happens? What a weird game. What a weird story. Yeah, that one I think you can break out into another, like it's kind of a separate story. The worst one to me was game five where there's with all the craziness in the ninth inning and trying to make sense of what happened in the moment and trying to figure out like who made the error who screwed up and the you know the guys falling coming around third base like that that one was a complete mess to me yeah the trials and tribulations of a beat writer all right let's go to our halftime show now as we bring in associate producer alex camarada alex take it away boys this is something new we're doing today it's called name that jet so we're going to test some knowledge how much you guys actually know about the Jets. This current NFL coach and former quarterback was on the Jets for one season in 2005. He made his NFL debut on November 20th, playing part of the fourth quarter against the Denver Broncos. He completed one pass to Dante Ridgeway, everybody's favorite, for 17 yards. Can you name that Jet? And here's a hint. He's a good-looking man with some nice Do I hair. get to go? Cliff go ahead, Kingsbury. Connor. Cliff Kingsbury. That was a piece of cake. Wow. I did not Kyle's know he nailed it first he, try. I did not know he played in a game. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Wow, two thousand two thousand five is a fascinating season in Jets history because they went through so many quarterbacks. And Mike Tannenbaum was the assistant GM then, and got promoted to GM next year. But he watched them go through so many quarterbacks that he made a decision like we're gonna get we're gonna beef up this offensive line. And Nick and Brick were drafted the next year. Did Kingsbury ever? That was, wasn't that his only completions ever? Did he ever? That play was again? his only completion. Yeah, in the NFL career. Yeah. Wow. yeah, he was on the Patriots. Uh, and the Jets, yeah, but that was his only completion. He also dabbled a bit in Canadian football because yeah, I did yeah. a lot of research for that. You, you nailed it right away. Yeah, damn. I, <laughs> I, I knew Kaz was going to know that. I did not know that. So, anyways. 
All right, so our next segment here, we've got something, you know, a little bit about the season. It's it's more of a would you rather. Well, first, we'll start off with kind of uh, some media food. I know cost, uh, traveling has been scarce this year with going to Yeah, unfortunately. So uh, the Jets being in Kansas City this week, it kind of sparked a question for me. Uh, obviously, they're known for their exceptional barbecue dishes, but would you rather Kansas City barbecue or let's just call it Seattle seafood? I know the Jets' next road game after this is L.A. They don't really have a delicacy. The next one after that is Seattle. So I figured, you know, Seattle's got some good seafood. Would you rather the Kansas City barbecue or would you rather Seattle seafood? Uh, I would go Kansas City barbecue. Q39 is my spot in Kansas City, which is phenomenal. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a long time since I've been to Seattle. That one, that one kind of breaks my heart that I'm not going to go to Seattle this year because it's been been eight years. It's eight years. You, you only get the NFC cities in every eight years. So, you know, and they have some great, they have a great sushi spot there that I love. I can't come up with the name right now. And Japanese fusion place is great. But yeah, so I, I would definitely side with Kansas City and the barbecue. Jake, are you a barbecue guy or? Uh, I am. People? I don't like too spicy. I know a lot of people make fun of me. They're like, oh, you're a little baby. You don't like spicy. I'm just like casual barbecue sauce. But once it gets too spicy, like those hot wings challenges, those wing ones, hot ones challenges they do on YouTube. I don't know how people do that because if something's too spicy for me, I'm done so. But yeah, I, I would probably agree with Kaz, even though I have not been, uh, I actually haven't been either i'd probably go barbecue though over the seattle seafood wild ginger wild ginger is my spot in seattle wild i just looked ginger. it up okay all right, yeah, there you go. Good, 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 good I, restaurants. I've, I've actually I've met a few wild ginger's in my life, so <laughs> <laughs> on a few dating apps. So there you go. All right, what's next, Alex? All right, moving right along in the theme of Halloween this weekend. Would you rather celebrate Halloween with friends at a party dressed up in an expensive costume, or celebrate Christmas by yourself ordering in Chinese food? Yeah, this one is for me because I am I'm done with Halloween. I, I hate to say it. I hate now, maybe I'm just getting old and, you know, cause you got kids, so you got to do trick or treating and stuff like that. I don't have kids, but I'm, I, I guess I'm just too old. For, I'm going to be 30 next year. And it's sad to say that I'm getting too old for Halloween, but I hate buying like a hundred, $150 costume to wear one night and then not wear it again for the next year. I had a friend's party last week and I just wore a cool gold blazer I had and I, I used that as my costume. So I'm going to go with the Ordering in Chinese food, watching NBA basketball on Christmas by myself over dropping a ton of money on a costume. If that makes me old and, you know, negative Nancy, fine, but I'll take the Christmas Chinese food over the expensive costume. Sorry, I'm 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 a little bit done with Halloween these days. Yeah, I can't really disagree yeah. with a good sesame chicken. Plus wearing the mask, too. Dish. Plus, we've been, I've been wearing a mask yeah. for six months. You want me to put on another mask for Halloween this year? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'd go Christmas, too, Alex. I, I, I'm with Jake. I, I am not a Halloween guy. I like the candy, and I like eating my kids' candy, but uh, I am not a costume guy. I think I lost interest in Halloween when I was about 12. So that's how long ago I, I lost interest in Halloween. Not a, not a Halloween party guy at all. Well, cause you transitioned perfectly into the final one. Would you rather have candy corn or a yellow starburst? This is for both of you guys. Oh man. Candy corn is the worst, but yellow starbursts are also worse. This is like choosing between the lesser of two evils. Uh, I don't understand any love for candy corn. I'll honestly go yellow starburst. That's the one I always give away. I give away the yellow and the orange. I just do red and pink, but I'm still taking yellow starburst cause over candy corn. What do you think? I'm going candy corn. You know, I think candy corn is wonderful in small doses. Obviously, I wouldn't want candy corn 365 days a year, but you give me candy corn around Halloween when I haven't had it in a year, and I, I, I enjoy candy corn a lot. You know, it's the small doses, Jake. Like Jets football. You just want to watch small doses. <laughs> 
doses of it. Yeah, or okay? hearing or hearing my voice. Only good in small doses. That's too much. true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get away from our voices next and talk with one of the most iconic voices in sports. It's the great Kevin Harlan right here on Gangs All Here. Joining us next is one of the most iconic sports broadcasters of all time. He's got that golden voice, the golden pipes, the Walter Cronkite-esque pipes, and that's not a hyperbole. He's been voted the National Sports Caster of the Year twice in 2017 and 2019. He's called 11 Super Bowls, five Final Fours, countless NBA playoff games. He can make paint drying on the wall sound exciting. It's CBS, Westwood One, and TNT play-by-play announcer, the legendary Kevin Harlan, joining gangs all here. Kevin, Jake Brown, Brian Costello, welcome to the show. How are you? Jake, I'm doing great. Brian, great to be on with you two guys and talking a little Jets football in the NFL. And uh, Interesting season. I know both of you would agree so far about halfway through, and uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't go, wow, I can't believe that happened or Look who was sent there. So it's uh, it's great to be on with you and, and visit about the Jets and the league. Yeah, and, and Kev, you'll be calling Jets Chiefs in Kansas City on CBS on Sunday. We're sorry for you. Thoughts and prayers to you and your family uh, for having to call this game. But you'll call it alongside a uh, former great Chiefs quarterback in Trent Green. Uh, you know, you t- you've watched the Jets a little bit. Take us through uh, what you're thinking going into this game on Sunday. Well, I'm glad Darnold is, is back in there. And, um, you know, we've, we've met with him several times. And we find him engaging and on point and, and you know, and, and, and focused and, and knows the knows the lay of the land. And that's pretty important for any quarterback, but certainly one that's dealing with a team that's struggling mightily right now. And I don't envy, envy the position he's in, uh, nor any of those guys. And to be quite honest, we've, we've talked to Coach Gase uh, often when he was with the Broncos and dealing with Peyton Manning when he was in Chicago and uh, Miami and now at the Jets. So uh, the one thing you find out, and, and I'm sure you both can can understand this, is that when you cover somebody, whether it's the same venue or different venues over the years, you know, you begin and, and they probably don't remember you, but you certainly remember them just because of, of the stature they have and what you're trying to, you know, you, you need them. You need them for quotes and information and for them to detail what's going on, why it's working or why it's not working. So maybe they hold a special place in your mind, but you begin to feel for these guys when you know they're going through a tough situation. Certainly uh, those two in particular are, are really kind of in the crosshairs now. And, and I, I, I never see, like to see people struggle, but, but they are. And that's our story coming into the game this weekend at Arrowhead where they'll have about 20,000 fans and a Chiefs team, which I wouldn't say is going through the motions, but has a, a confidence about them that there's really never a panic, even when they might get down, that they're a very, they're very self-assured right now. They know where they are in the landscape of the league, and, and they uh, they get it, and, and I think they're kind of playing that way. They're not playing in a supercharged way like they may in December as they're ramping up for the playoffs, but there's that, that feel about the team that they just don't blink and they just move ahead. Yeah, Kevin, I'm curious. With the, You just talked about the Chiefs and the mode they're in. I, I think the biggest challenge for the Chiefs this week is to figure out a way to get motivated for this game. Uh, you look at the Jets – if they watch the Jets tape, <laughs> there's not much to be worried about. You know, they're, they're, just, they're not just 0-7. They're like they're like a really, really bad 0-7. Like a few years ago, the Browns went 0-16, but they played a lot of close games. The Jets were close Sunday, but then, you know, they had four yards in the second half. Do you, do you think there's any chance that the Chiefs kind of come out sleepwalking in this one? 
Well, I, I don't know, Brian. You know, I, I was watching Clemson and Syracuse uh, this past weekend a little bit, and it was a historically big spread in that game, and, and Syracuse kept it close, you know, for a, for a nice portion of the game, and then certainly Clemson pulled away. I guess you can never take anything for granted, and, and I think Reed's message, Andy Reed's message, Chiefs coach, will be on point and, uh, you know, just saying, everybody just do what you're supposed to do. Mind your regular tasks that you've got scheduled for yourself each day prepare as if it is one of the better teams in pro football you know we've seen surprises this would be a monumental shock certainly if anything would happen especially on the road right uh, um, uh, for, for a Jets team to win in Arrowhead a team with that record and that kind of performance like you were talking about to win in Arrowhead it's tough even for good teams to win in Arrowhead let alone a team that's staggering right now like the Jets are so I uh, I, I think and the, the other message is this you know they've all been around a long time I, I, I think that, that regardless of who you play, you know that the, there's a pretty thin line. Maybe it's a little thicker in this case, but there's a pretty thin line between the winning teams and the losing teams. And, and, and not to degrade the Jets anymore, they have lost Bell, who's now with the, now with the Chiefs. I, I don't know. I, I, I think they know that they got a special task ahead of them to try to repeat. They've got a lot of things they're trying to work out. And number one, you know, incorporate bell into the offense and if nothing else that will become maybe the rallying cry this week let's get him more involved more up to speed you know delve deeper into the playbook expand it a little bit more for him and and that may be the message for the offense and the defense quite frankly is is kind of dealing with some issues in terms of injury and guys not quite 100 percent working on some different combinations and so i think there's always something to be gained regardless of who you played and my guess is the chiefs will be focused and ready playing at home, uh, hitting the midway point of the season, and knowing now that you once you get to that point, now you're going downhill, but you want to be gaining speed as you're going downhill and, and aiming for what your ultimate prize and goal is. I have a feeling Le'Veon Bell against his old team, Kevin, might run for 150 yards or receive for 150 <laughs> uh, and have some kind of celebration running past Adam Gase on the sidelines on Sunday. This could be one of those games, a clunker, where you got to make things interesting as a broadcaster. Uh, we might need Black Cat on the Field Part 2, Kevin Harlan, play-by-play <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> well, we could see a lot of things in Arrowhead. I mean, it's, it's a pretty lively place, as you both know. And, and uh, you know, I, I think there'll be plenty to talk about. You mentioned him work with Trent Green, who's been in situations like this where he's been on winning teams, he's been on teams that have struggled, and there's always something out there. You know, whether it's, you know, dissecting how, how Darnold is doing, you know, talking about, you know, why it worked for Gase maybe is in certain situations in his coaching career and why, for whatever reason, it's not working now. And, you know, I, 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 football fans, you know, like Jet fans in particular, have, have seen a lot of things like this. You know, why isn't this working? Why isn't that clicking? Why are we in this situation again and again? And and maybe there's a different kind of perspective that a guy like Trent can bring. And there's always a story emerging. And, you know, we've got a trade deadline coming up next week, early next week. That's, I think, kind of an interesting thing with a team like the Jets. What are they looking at? Are they looking? Are the Chiefs looking to make a move? So we'll, we'll uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of information right there, but but I'm I'm anxious to see the Chiefs. I just saw them this past weekend in Denver, so I get them for a second consecutive week with CBS, and 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 I think with a good team, there's always there's always a, another chapter you can talk about, look into, and that's certainly true with the Chiefs, who have so many different layers to their team and why they're successful. Kevin, I know you talked about you know meeting with Adam Gase through the years and, and kind of feeling for him in this situation. 
unless they dramatically turn this thing around, it looks like you know they'll be changing coaches after this season. I think Jets fans listening to us would be curious your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, who's a guy I'm sure you've met with in a number of production meetings, and kind of you know what your thoughts are on, on Eric. And it looks like he's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. Might be here, might be somewhere else. What's been your impression of Eric Bieniemy during your production meetings with him? You know what's interesting, Brian and, and Jake, is that you know you look at a guy like Belichick and the guys that have coached under him and have gone out and have had very limited success. I think we'd all agree. And you look at the tree that Andy Reid has, and I mean, it's like one success story after another, whether it's McDermott, whether it's Harbaugh. You go right on down the line. And I think Andy takes particular pride in really getting his assistants in the pool with him. I, I think he's he likes... He likes being there with, with everybody and having everybody holding on to the rope with the same strength and the same direction. So not that Belichick doesn't, but for whatever reason, Reed's guys have gone out and been a success. And rarely have I heard him talk about an assistant the way I have heard him talk about the enemy, who has certainly paid his dues. He's played, you know, and we know we know the playing history. We know his coaching history, college and pro. And, and his fingerprints are all over the Chiefs' offensive playbook and, and Mahomes and everything. So I don't know if there is a better young assistant coach out there than Eric Bieniemy. And I agree with you guys that, that, that this is, you know, the time for him to step out of that shadow and, and take over his own position. And I believe he will, whether it's with the Jets, if they do make a move or with anybody else. You know, you you, you just sense that, that he has really absorbed a lot under Reed, who I think we would all agree has got this pretty aggressive offensive way of thinking and dealing with players. I think... I think he's got a kind of a unique way of, of dealing with players, getting the message across. He's been in a lot of situations, but he's a winner. I mean, like he's been with this organization in their buildup, and he's a winner. So there, there's a lot here to like. Um, he's been there since the very beginning of Mahomes. He was there with Alex Smith and worked with him. So like on different levels, this guy has really made his mark. I, I, I can't think of a better candidate anywhere in pro football than Eric Bieniemy, And if the Jets do make a move and they're so lucky enough to get him, and listen, I've been out to that facility coaching in that market. It, it could be, it can be as good as any in pro football. Now, maybe the recent history isn't so good, but, but they've got, like, the infrastructure to me is in place. They've got the stadium. They've got the facility. They've got, hopefully, an ownership that will not blink when there's a request. And that's kind of been Clark Hunt's motto with this group, that when the GM asks for something, needs something, sells them on something, it's not, uh, you know, why. It's how can I help? What can I do to assist? And, and I think all successful – craft is like that with the Patriots. All successful organizations have that kind of infrastructure. Uh, my hope is is that whoever the coach is, whether it's Gase or someone else they bring in, that that is always the theme. How can we be better every day they walk over that threshold into that facility and get ready for another's day work? Kevin, a combination of Eric Bieniemy and Trevor Lawrence is music to Jets fans' ears if they do finish you know, in that top spot in the NFL draft. Can you see that combination working do you still believe Sam Darnold is the guy where are you when it comes to quarterback for the Jets well I I still think that Darnold has uh has a space and I do think that he's got you know uh, a career in this league and I would like to think it's it's with the Jets because I know when we talked to him last year and early this season he has embraced everything about the Jets in the area 
And now I haven't seen him since like early in the season. And even if he felt differently, I'm sure he wouldn't. He would never say it. I, I I still think there is something there. Now, if I'm Darnold, or if I'm another quarterback, they would draft to work with Bieniemy, who has had a, a proven record of success working with quarterbacks and offenses and thinking outside the box, pushing the envelope. I would think that this would be, you know, the perfect situation. And if, as we do, just kind of dream and drift off maybe that topic of specifics, if it is a Trevor Lawrence. He does decide to come out, and I just read today where he says, I'm, I'm going to look at all options still. He began the season say, saying this was his last year, but, you know, who knows? We've seen other quarterbacks in that same position, you know, Elway or, or whoever, say, I'm not, I'm not playing for that organization. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Uh, Eli Manning said it with the Chargers. Anyway, the point is, you know, there, there is so much to like about, maybe not right now, but about, about the Jets and, and – you know, there is a history there, and a kid like that could just captivate that entire market. And if they have the right thinking and who they draft and how they put it together and have a, a perhaps another voice in there, a fresh voice with, with a new way of thinking from an organization that is like a Kansas City, uh, you just don't know what can happen. It can turn pretty quickly in this league, but there's a lot there's a lot to clear there, and their hands would be full. Their plates would have a lot on it. It would, it would take a lot, but there are some kids in life that just embrace a big challenge, and the Jets would be a big challenge. So whether it's Lawrence or whether they're they're sold on Darnold and feel, hey, it's just that there's just not much at wideout. There's there's not much in the backfield. There's not much on the line. There's whatever you know, I, you know. I, I I I but I don't think it's time to close the door or the book on Darnold. I just I mean I think you've got to look at it. It, it always goes beyond the quarterback and. Certainly in this case, I think that that's true. Kevin, uh, you worked with a, a former Jets quarterback for a long time, Boomer Esiason, on Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, we're all very familiar with Boomer from listening to him on the fan here and watching his career. What's your best Boomer story from your days uh, on Westwood One with him? Well, um, several, but I guess the thing that, that stands out, first of all, we would always talk about family before we talk about football in the booth. Before every Monday night game, we'd be there like three hours before kickoff and time to kill and you know he'd pull out the, the laptop or the ipad and he would immediately look where the rangers or hockey or whatever he'd want to watch uh and, and have that set up and um and always was entertaining people that were a part of his foundation that had given generously had been prominent in his foundation and so that was like when he'd get on the, the first thing that would begin every monday night trip was who's on the plane who are we going to entertain how can we thank them? You know, so he begins with that kind of a heartfelt feel about the event anyway. Then he'd get in the booth. We'd talk about family and, and he, you know, he'd, he'd tell me about his son and, and about his daughter, Sid. And, 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 and then and then we would, you know, kind of get into the business. But, you know, when you're working with someone like Boomer, it, it, it's never one topic or kind of, you know, one lane that you're in. You're in multiple lanes and talking about a lot of things. But what I came to realize is with the, the great notoriety he has on the fan and with CBS Sports as one of their main uh, faces and voices on the NFL, that it, it, it's it's like talking to you two guys. It's just like talking to friends and shooting the breeze and, and, and able to really kind of get into any, you know, any situation or any conversation, any topic that might, you know, might just come across your path. And I, and he always, you know, listen, he, he's a big name in this business. He always treated me like, like, you know, he worked with Marv before me. So like he's worked with big name guys and he's a, he's a big, he's a big personality and always treated me, you know, so well and equally. And, and I always appreciated that. And, and I, so I, I love Boomer I, as a friend, as a, as a partner and miss him dearly. I'm working with Kurt Warner who I've come to love as much as Boomer and, 
And uh, you find out sometimes in this business that the biggest names, the most noteworthy names, the guys that have really had an impact on the business and in pro football are, are the nicest and the kindest and, and, and kind of just like you and me. So I, I really like that and, and remember that about Boomer. We still exchange texts and cards and, and it just a, a giving, kind, nice, just a real nice person. I want to give you a couple of rapid fire ones. First thing that comes to your head before we let you go. And first one is what's the greatest game you've ever called? Uh, I'd have to say one of the Super Bowls, probably, you know, being down 28 to three third quarter and Brady coming back and winning that, that was a pretty significant game. The, the Seattle Patriots, Super Bowl I called that was a pretty significant moment but to be honest they're all pretty significant but if but if you're asking for games that really stand out I had a chance to call a lot of Kobe Bryant games uh, for TNT his last year in the league and I knew that everyone was kind of historic in some form or fashion and sure enough uh, I have great memories you know calling calling those games in his in his last year so I, I I've, I've been lucky enough to call so much i i would hate to say one game over another but i do i i feel lucky every time i put on the headset but the super bowls are a pretty big assignment and i never take it for granted and 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 so i guess those two games in particular probably stand out the most was there a thrill i mean you've had so many but there's is there a thrilling moment that stands atop you had the minneapolis miracle you had the oh game series toronto wins uh the uh Kawhi leonard <laughs> shot you had the cat in the field you you've had so many uh you had the you know the the two games and one that you called in Kansas City last year uh, when the Dolphins Patriots game on your TV calling that as well was there one moment that you know that YouTube videos that you've watched back on that you think about a lot well you're nice to mention those Jake I I, I don't really know if there's one moment the Kawhi shot was pretty good because there'd never been a walk-off game seven in the playoffs like that and his shot and then the way it went in right it, it bounced three or four times on the rim with the silence of the crowd and the emotion and the the, the the drama of that, which is all what the NBA playoffs are about, win or go home, and and that's how it ended. So that was that was pretty that was pretty fun. I, I like all of them. The, the goofy ones, like the cat or the drunk on the field, you know, um, those, those have been those have been fun to call. And I, I I know that I hope people take those in the right way. As, as important as those games are. Are, are the people that I studied and and people that I tried to follow when I was younger and even realize how talented some people are. And then on first blush for the average listener or viewer, you think, oh, you know, there's, there's Brian Costello writing the story and on a podcast or Jake or, or, or there's whatever. But in my profession and play-by-play, there have been so many iconic people over the years and 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 one that pops in right off the bat because he just retired is is mike emmerich and just you know different sport different everything but you know to listen to the craft uh of emmerich and how he put his you know i'm sure you guys have had people that you you followed when you were younger emulate try to even maybe uh absorb and and, and try to be like and i think in broadcasting always try to be like you know i was having lunch with green the other day mike green and you know listening to marv growing up you know that he, everyone tried to be marv albert right and, and and so I guess over the years I've listened to my, the people that I grew up listening to were Facenda and Ray Scott and Summerall and and but just recently over the last like 15 20 years discovered Emmerich and and I, I, Mike Emmerich game to me had so many lessons for broadcasters and so I love the business so much and love guys like Emmerich who did it so well even though it was a different sport that I, that I guess that 
almost stands out more than games I've called. I'd like to think that maybe I've got my, you know, another opportunity to call a game bigger than anything I've done or a moment bigger than anything I've done. And by listening to the Emmerichs and the Ray Scotts and all the people, Chuck Thompson, who was in Baltimore, all these guys in between that I've come to really enjoy and admire and respect that maybe in my, that I'll, I'll be able to be as good as they were when the moment calls for it. And you never know, but you hope, and that, that, is, my, that is my hope. Yeah, and for me, you know, radio-wise, making the Mad Dog and today, Joe Beningo announcing his retirement, a guy that I listened to on the fans. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't know yes. that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, this wow. is last week coming up next week. So, Joe, the end of an era, 25 I years. I did not know that. I did not know that. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Just hate to see these voices, these people that have obviously affected you and 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 many New Yorkers and people in the Northeast. It's just it, it, a part of you kind of it, it doesn't die yet. That's too strong. But that part of you feels like wow. That's that's how do you replace a, a voice or a thought like that in your mind? You know, when you heard him or heard Emmerich like I like we all did. And I, I hate I hate to hear that, but uh, wow, I, I did not know that you dropped me off guard there. Yeah, it seems Craig Carton is coming back to the fan and uh, might be in that spot. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so. wow. Did you know that? Am I breaking all – am I the Andrew Marshan right now? Breaking you are. The news? Yeah, you are. You are Marshan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Breaking news. Adam Schefter reporting yeah. live. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, That's what happens when you live out here in the Midwest, man. They fly over you one way. They fly over the other way. And you somehow, like by Pony Express, get worried about three weeks later. So I'm just now, well, just now hearing this stuff. My goodness. Breaking news into the newsroom here on the Gangs All Here yeah, podcast. Yeah. Well, I, I can't blame you. You're flying across the country and city to city, game to game. So uh, sometimes I'm sure you don't even know what state or city you're in, what you're eating for dinner that night. So uh, I can't blame you. So uh, glad to break that to you. And yeah, end of an era on the fan. Uh, Kevin wow. Arlen, uh, we're looking forward to hearing you Sunday on the call for Jets Chiefs. I hope you could uh, make things interesting when it's 34 nothing in the third quarter i'm sure you'll find a way but we'll see maybe they uh maybe they surprise the chiefs and cover that spread who knows well i i i would tell you this i mean and, and i would want jet fans to know this or chiefs fans whoever whatever game we're doing but that to us becomes the most single most important thing we're doing and i'm not doing my job and i know you probably don't feel you are either if you don't put every ounce of your professionalism into that piece you're writing or the podcast you're recording or broadcast you're you're conveying and i i just i you know these jobs are too far and few between i every time I know you guys feel the same way. We can have fun with the record. I get that. But I, I, every time we put on that CBS headset, I'm telling you, I think of the, the you know, I'm, I'm going to the biggest market in the country. And our, this game actually is going to a pretty good chunk of the country, kind of surprisingly. But it is a Super Bowl champion. And I guarantee you the Jets are going to give them their best shot because the Chiefs always get their best. The defending champion always gets their best shot from whoever they play, whether it's a, a, a winless Jet team or whoever. So I expect them to play a strong, focused, all-out game, and and you never know what's going to happen. But it's always an honor to call the NFL, and I never take that for granted. So I'm Jet fans can know that I'll be as prepared for the Jets, hopefully, as I am for the Chiefs, um, and and will enjoy every minute of that broadcast. Believe me, I really will. Oh, we gotta we gotta do Jets podcast for a winless team all season. So I hear you. We're trying to make this thing <laughs> know, as, as interesting and spicy as we can. So we got a difficult task as well. Uh, looking forward to hearing you on the call, Kevin. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Jake. Thank you, and Brian. Thank you. Nice to be on with you guys. Take care. Thanks, Kevin. That'll say goodnight, sweet prince, to episode 46, the Bill Baird edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. 
Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Go on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating, and please write in a nice review as we continue dropping two episodes a week all season long. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday following the Jets-Chiefs game. Oh, boy. Enjoy the game, folks. Stay safe.